Welcome back to the Lamppost Listener. My name is Daniel. I'm Phil. And this is a podcast where we journey chapter by chapter through C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. This is chapter 7 of Prince Caspian, Old Narnia in Danger. Nice. You ready to just jump right in, Phil? Let's get to it. So in our last episode, Prince Caspian traveled all throughout the land meeting old Narnians. And here in this chapter, we're going to see what happens once they all get together. So are you ready for the chapter summary? I'm ready. All right. Prince Caspian's council of old Narnians is interrupted before it really begins. Dr. Cornelius arrives, having easily traced the Narnians to the dancing lawn. He warns them that Miraz is aware of their existence and is bringing an army to them. Caspian decides to retreat to Aslan's Howl, an ancient mound nearby, because it will be much easier to defend. King Miraz's army surrounds Aslan's Howl, and the Narnians' hopes are quickly diminished through unsuccessful sorties against Miraz. After a frustrating defeat, Caspian and his advisors decide that it is time to blow Queen Susan's horn and receive aid. Dr. Cornelius correctly assumes that the horn will bring back the old kings and queens to a previously prominent location. It is decided that Pattertwig will travel to the Lantern Waste and Trumpkin will go to the ruins of Care Paravel. Both Narnians leave and Caspian blows the horn. You got any initial thoughts, Phil? Um, the battle happened really fast. I'm excited to get to that part. Okay. I wasn't even sure that it was happening until like halfway through that paragraph. It's like, oh, wow, like we're already fighting again. Listeners can't see this. I've known you for a while. I I feel like you're holding something back in your face right now. (laughs) Can neither confirm nor deny that. (laughs) Well, I I'll be the first to say it. This is um, uh, I'll be careful the way I do this, but honestly, this is the first chapter we've had throughout the show of the podcast that honestly I don't like. This chapter really. This is is where maybe this it starts to lose me, and maybe and I wonder. I want to hear from listeners because um. You know, many of them have talked about not loving this book as much, and I want to know maybe this is where it loses them. This is where Lewis loses me a little bit. I'm, I'm honestly, I, I read it, you know, a couple of times this week preparing for the show, and I just, I, I think it's, I, I kind of named two big things. Well, we will get into it in a little bit, but one of them is I finally feel like this, this story that Trumpkin is telling us of Prince Caspian has finally overstated its welcome, and I really would just rather be back with the Pevensies. Mm. This is our fourth chapter. Here um, in this story within a story, I wish it had almost just been three, right? Sure. Uh, at least that's my opinion. And then also, I just the pacing feels so weird. It feels like we we kind of book in the chapter with a conversation between Caspian and his advisors about what to do with Miraz's army coming, and then we end the chapter with uh, the decision being made of let's let's use the horn to call back people. But the most interesting stuff is that middle part, which we just rush all through. I want to know about the. the battles and about what's what's happening that is really you know hurting the hopes of the narnians and that's what we kind of rush through and so i'm left giving hearing more about the stuff i don't care about as much Hmm. and again i mean i we usually actually aren't very critical of these books we're we're very complimentary of them obviously these are just my opinion c.s lewis is a much better author than i am even a reader and so like it's it's not you know critique of him is more of this is just you know my opinion that which is just i I don't love this chapter Uh, i think there's a lot of other great things in it but overall my feelings are are just uh, i'm yeah not not my favorite Hmm. that's not how you felt at all though that was just you just were making a face earlier no i feel like there are some parts of the story where I'm a, I was a little thrown off because I didn't realize that we were in the middle of a battle. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because I didn't know what a sortie was. <laughs> what is that? It's it's like a 
it's a battle where you're coming from a defensive position. So you're almost like venturing out from your okay. defensive position like the Narnians are at Aslan's Howl. Uh, and they're going out to fight or kind of push back the army. But then they retreat back to their de- – like the idea was never really to move forward. I don't think it's – I don't know. I'm not a military tactician, so please, listeners, tell me if I'm wrong. But I, I think it's – you know, you're leaving your defensive position. You're going out fighting, and then you go back to your defensive position. But they're not like gaining – in what's happening in the here in Narnia is they're not gaining any ground. They literally go out, they fight, lose some people, come back, and that's it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's not working. Yeah. Um, well, let's pick up here at the beginning of the chapter. So um, – you know, here at the dancing lawn, we hear about all the different people that have come. Caspian's very excited to see an, another giant. We have the giant Wimbleweather. Mm-hmm. I, I've got to ask you, Phil, right here, which is better, Wimbleweather or Rumblebuffin? Rumblebuffin. It's not even close, no, right? Yeah. No, Wimbleweather just it's it's a nice name still, and I like these great name. Yeah, it, no, no offense to him, uh, but Rumblebuffin is just that sounds way cooler. Mm-hmm. So the the. the Council of Narnians trying to decide what to do. They, Caspian does decide they're going to have you know a council of war here. Um, but before it even really happens, you get Dr. Cornelius showing up. And it, there's a lot of different reactions, right, to, to him here. What were some of the things people were th- thinking? Well, real quick, before we get to him, let's yeah. talk about how, how well introduced or reintroduced all the animals are. Oh, yeah. You can tell a lot about people by how they approach eating <laughs> the, the bears are really anxious to have the feast first the bulgy bears yeah yeah and then like another group is like we're, we're pretty eager to get to the battle and like someone's like oh we shouldn't shouldn't eat on we shouldn't fight on an empty stomach yeah and like we shouldn't even stuff. talk about fighting on an empty stomach yeah. and then the fawns are like we sh- i think we should dance but a solemn dance it's just it's hilarious because- that one's a little too much for me i'm like come on fawns ch- chill out this is not the time people are gonna die soon you guys still want to dance but here's the thing I think we both know all these different types of people who have they have different priorities and like they're kind of right about some oh, yeah. stuff, but then other stuff's like no, like you need to zoom out and look at the bigger picture here. We have a battle to get to, and you want to do a quick dance. So, any other thoughts in this conversation before we they move forward from what to do? Cornelius comes up and he says, "You know, there's Miraz has found you." He even kind of makes a, a dig at <laughs> the rest of the dwarves. <laughs> I love this. He says. I don't think some of your um, pure-blooded dwarves have as much woodcraft as might be expected and that they've left tracks all over the place. So he's mm-hmm. kind of like, yo, you're going to make some, some digs at me. I'm going to come right back at you. Yeah. So, And just um, how Caspian is shocked that he's been betrayed. Nickerbrick is like another renegade dwarf, no doubt. And then Dr. Cornelius is like, actually, buy your horse. It's, yeah. like, it's not his fault. It's like, well, whose fault was it? Well, I, the the horse... Is not it's not a, a talking beast, so it really was just the horse was by itself in the middle of the woods, so it went home. Right? Yeah. Uh, I guess like what's the alternative? Like shoot the horse? Oh gosh, no! I just I'm saying like I don't think that there was like how would they do it differently next time? Well, remember, like, Caspian, keep the horse with them. No, but Caspian was knocked out. Uh, so for all the horse knows, Caspian's dead. You know what I mean? So the okay. horse goes home. Like it's yeah. not like he had to. He sent, remember, he didn't send the horse. Dude, it was like three chapters ago. Yeah. See, I know this is my point. We've been here in this story for too long. We should have gone back to the Pevensies because you've already forgotten. It was just right. through four chapters ago. So Dr. Cornelius, he, he says, you know, we've got to go to a safer place, a place where we can uh, defend ourselves better, right? They're, the bulgy bears come back here. <laughs> they, they get on my nerves right here. I, lo- the, I love the bulgy the bears. The nerve running part. Yeah, that's frustrating here. Like, the let's, bulge- let's read the full line. 
You got it. Uh, the bear, the bulgy bears go, hear him, hear him. Whatever we do, don't let's have any running, especially not before supper and not too soon after either <laughs> Get or it. neither. Yeah. <laughs> Get out. I don't like that. That would annoy me. So, I mean, I love, this is so Narnian and I do love this, yep. but like we're at war and these guys are like, now guys, let's not be too hasty. It's like tree beard. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, are you- Everything takes a very long time. Yeah. Don't be hasty. Like, but <laughs> it's frustrating to me because it's like literally an army is on its way. And they're like, well, let's guys, let's make sure we eat first and then let's not move too, too quickly before that. And too quickly after that, like yeah, you're not that's supposed to run 20 minutes after, <laughs> after you're not supposed to have a battle 20 minutes after. That's eating. right. <laughs> so, as yeah. annoying as you may find that, I, don't, I think it's just funny. What really it annoys is. me no, is, it this, is funny. the centaur. Oh, what about the centaur? Those who run first do not always run last, said the centaur. I was like, all right, everyone needs to stop talking and just listen to Caspian. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, obviously what, what Lewis is doing, and I, I do actually really like this, he's painting a picture of a group of Narnians that are only held together by the fact that they have a common enemy. Yeah. Like, they they really don't know what they want. They don't know what, how they want to achieve it. The only thing they know is that the Telmarines are bad, and we've got to defend ourselves. And so there is. There's all of this fighting, this frustration between the Narnians. But then we do all come to a consensus through Dr. Cornelius. And you have a part to read here, right? I do. The Dr. Cornelius is saying some stuff, and then he says, We must go to Aslan's how. Aslan's how, said several voices. We do not know what it is. And as readers, we don't either. It's a mound of earth. Yeah. It lies within the skirts of the great woods, and it is a huge mound which Narnians raised in very ancient times over a very magical place, where there stood, and perhaps still stands, a very magical stone. The mound is all hollowed out within into galleries and caves, and the stone is in the center cave of all. There is a room in the mound for all our stores, and those of us who have the most need of cover and are most accustomed to the underground life can be lodged in the caves. The rest of us can lie in the wood. At a pinch, all of us, except this worthy giant, could retreat into the mound itself, and there we should be beyond the reach of every danger, except famine. I think there'd be more dangers, but I, I get what he's saying, right? Yeah. I think he's simplifying it a little bit. I love this passage. I know I literally came in here saying I don't like this chapter, but then as, uh, there's as many, it tends many things to go, that... you tend to justify it to yourself the other way. Yeah. I mean, no, but there's I mean, a ton of things that I love. I love that C.S. Lewis doesn't explicitly say that the stone table is inside of here. It's very obvious to us as readers, mm-hmm. right? Like there's a magical stone. And especially as we go on later in the chapter, we hear, we he even mentions the stone table. I love, love, love that he doesn't explicitly state that. Let's figure it out a little yeah, bit. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. I remember reading this to um, some of my students for the first time and like very few get it, but a couple did later in the chapter when they actually mentioned that the split table in the middle of the room, like more of the light bulbs went off because a couple of kids like, wait, magical stone. Like, especially if you see it, the word stone is capitalized as a proper noun. And so uh, there's some, there's some uh, light bulbs that start clicking there. So I, I love this, especially from a children's literature perspective. This is really fun. This is really fun the way he does it. You take anything away from this kind of, uh, passage here well i had the similar experience yeah where i was just like oh the table yeah but he doesn't exactly say it so it's kind of fun and then uh trumpkin responds soup and celery here's another one of his exclamations that's the best one yet right soup and celery so good and so they do just decide they're gonna go 
to Aslan's How. I, I'm confused a little bit because they leave that night and they arrive before sunrise. So <laughs> did they march all night? I actually I made a note here. It's like, I don't know where anything is in your voice. That's yeah. how I hear it. Well, my problem is especially if you look at Pauline Baines's illustration, just a couple of pages. Oh, you won't have this. Uh, but there is a illustration of the Aslan's How. It's, it's, a, it's not a mountain, but it's a tall hill. Tall enough, at least in her illustration. Oh, you do have it. Great. That's the one I do have. That I'm intrigued as to how far away they would have had to have been that no one could see this, right? Like, yeah. If if they're just a night's march away for an entire like this army of Narnians to move, wouldn't they have just had to have been like in the background as they're talking? Oh no, it's that big hill right there. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it makes it seem like it's something that's very far off, but they had to have been literally within a a couple hours march. They can't be going more than like. 10 miles, right? I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, that number's arbitrary, but again, it's just, uh, it's my thing. I think that's going to be a fun, I, I kind of am teasing. It's a magical land. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, I love the description once they finally get inside Aslan's Howe and Caspian sees strange characters and snaky patterns. There's pictures which form, uh, which the form of a lion is repeated over and over again. And then Lewis writes this, it all seemed to belong to an even older Narnia than the Narnia of which his nurse had told him. Mm. I really, really like that. Probably before the dawn of time. Yeah, before the, what was it? Before the dawn of time. You're right, yeah. yeah. Let me get to another passage. So right after he has, Lewis has a line about an even older Narnia, we then get into uh, these two paragraphs I'm going to read here. It was after they had taken up their quarters in and around the Hal that fortune began to turn against them. King Miraz's scouts soon found their new lair, and he and his army arrived on the edge of the woods. And as so often happens, the enemy turned out stronger than they had reckoned. Caspian's heart sank as he saw company after company arriving. And though Miraz's men may have been afraid of going into the wood, they were even more afraid of Miraz. And with him in command, they carried battle deeply into it and sometimes almost to the how itself. Caspian and the other captains, of course, made many sorties into the open country. Thus, they were fighting on most days and sometimes by night as well. But Caspian's party had on the whole the worst of it. At last, there came a night when everything had gone as badly as possible. And the rain, which had been falling heavily all day, had ceased at nightfall only to give place to raw cold. That morning, Caspian had arranged what was the, his biggest battle yet, and all had hung their hopes on it. He, with most of the dwarfs, was to have fallen on the king's right wing at daybreak, and then, when they were heavily engaged, giant Wimbleweather, with the centaurs and some of the fiercest beasts, was to have broken out from another place and endeavored to cut the king's right off from the rest of the army. But it had all failed. No one had warned Caspian, because no one in these later days of Narnia remembered, that giants are not at all clever. Poor Wimbleweather, though as brave as a lion, was a true giant in that respect. He had broken out at the wrong time and from the wrong place, and both his party and Caspians had suffered badly and done the enemy little harm. The best of the bears had been hurt, a centaur terribly wounded, and there were few in Caspian's party who had not lost blood. It was a gloomy company that huddled under the dripping trees to eat their scanty supper. Ooh, things are not good. It's a, it's a very quick turn of events, and it's also interesting to see a group that you're rooting for losing in a book like this. Yeah. 
And I'm going to, you know this, Phil, I often uh, exaggerate and talk in hyperbole. And so I do need to walk back. Only all the time. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure the listeners are like, yeah, we already know that too. I've told you a million times not to exaggerate. Because <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I, I don't love this because I want more time here. I'm actually, I would be fine. This is, you know, as kind of the sequel and we're, and for us to really get an idea of how bad things are, I would have actually enjoyed to have a little bit more time with like things going poorly for them. Really, it's it's two paragraphs and that's about, I mean, the rest of the chapter is not great either as far as like the, no, not, not like the writing. It's not great for our characters is what I mean. Like yeah. it's not like it picks up all of a sudden. But these two paragraphs are really what set the stage for the hopelessness that drives our, our characters to use Queen Susan's horn, right? And even though I want to spend more time where the tension I'm living in, uh, because I know this is so serious, is I want to spend more time here, but these two paragraphs are so expertly written. So I'm like, oh, like I'm, I'm glad we had this is so great. The way that, that Lewis portrays the hopelessness of the situation is wonderful, but I, I wish we spent more time here, mm. right? And maybe that's a good thing. I think that some of the best meals you wish you had one more bite of. Yeah, I mean that's true. The here's here's one thing I don't like. I want to hear your thoughts on this. I not maybe not even don't like. Here I am already <laughs> exaggerating. Here's one thing I don't understand. Why is it why is Lewis writing about this battle? I guess technically it's Trumpkin telling the Pevensies, but it's not written that way. Why are we hearing about the battle like after it happened? Like it's almost like the present time for us is them eating their supper and we're being told about this. It had just happened, but not. we're not reading it as it's happening. Why, why do you think that is? I don't know. I think that sometimes battles may be better summarized than getting a point-by-point point mm-hmm. view of what happened. I mean, my thought of it, the, the kind of answer I came up to for my own question was the, the focus isn't – and here, and maybe this is where my frustration is coming from. The focus isn't what happened. The focus is how do the Narnians feel? Because if we've got to move the story along, it's not that, oh, they lost a battle that's calling them to uh, – that's forcing them to call Queen Susan or use Queen Susan's horn. It's their desperation that is forcing them to use Queen Susan's horn. So Lewis is not going to portray the battle as this epic thing or we're not going to get like a play-by-play. Instead, we're going to just get an understanding of the desperation. Hmm. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it's meant to communicate. Yeah. And speaking of like just the despair that we're experiencing, I and mean, think about Wimbleweather, poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, I, there's a I'll, I'll link this in the show's description. There's a uh, image of him crying with the mice. Look, I'm showing it to Phil right now. There's an image of him crying with the mice. <laughs> it's 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 weird to see a giant crying. Yep. It, it it is weird. The imagery is is odd, but it's good. I mean, it shows you where we are. I, I love the paragraph right after the, the passage I just read where it's like everyone's just frustrated at each other and it ends with – and so everyone was out of temper. Like everybody is – not only are, is our hope slipping away from us, but we're also grumpy. Yeah. I mean it just – it's hopeless. Like, and have you ever had that feeling where like you feel like you've done a couple things incorrectly and it's affected other people and you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to quit. And so like you try to walk away and you end up like knocking something over and it's just like – the last straw was three straws ago. Yeah. Oh, duh. Yeah, I've definitely felt that way yeah. before. Yeah. This, I think this all of com- us have. Yeah. yeah, this communicates that really, really well. I, I would, you instantly had that feeling from the last time you did that. Yeah, I want to know how Caspian's feeling during this. I know I know 
you know, he's he's a title character, but really I feel like the Pevens not right now, but the Pevensies kind of still are our main protagonist. Mm-hmm. I, I I wish we did have a little bit of what's going on in Caspian's head right now. I mean, he's done a terrible job, you know, like yeah. it's not like, working oh, out. Maybe I'm not so great at leading battles. Yeah. Sucky time to find out. So we've now had that first bookend conversation of here's we got to go to Aslan's how we had the very short kind of time that's now setting the stage for this desperate act of using the horn and really I mean literally this chapter is conversation short battle another conversation so now we're entering kind of into this third part Caspian's like no oh, we don't want to use the the horn yet because what if something worse happens and and Nickabrick has a great point He's like yeah but if you keep saying that then we'll just continue waiting for things to get worse we'll never use it right so his, you know, I guess they're kind of his advisors. That, Such a good point, by the way. No, it's wonderful. And like, and Nick, I, Rick, I feel that way every time I use my emergency savings. Like yeah. something goes wrong with something, like my Your car. car or something. Yeah, yeah. And I like pull from, you know, my emergency money. I'm like, but this is really like for an emergency. It's like, well, you no, know, it's an emergency. Like, yeah, that's what it's for. And I, I, I love this because Nickabrick has been kind of like a, kind of a bad character, and I, I like that he's more in a gray place. Cause we know that he, he doesn't like Caspian. He's thought about killing Caspian, but he also has really good things to say. He's not this all like just a bad guy kind of thing at all. He's like, he's on the Narnian side and he makes good points. This is a good point. He's like, no, we've got to use this thing or else we're, we're doomed. So they're trying to figure out what to do. And Dr. Cornelius, here, here's what he says. I think went on the learned man that they, or he, will come back to one or other of the ancient places of Narnia. This, where we now sit, is the most ancient and most deeply magical of all, and here, I think, the answer is likeliest to come. But there are two others. One is Lantern Waste, upriver west of Beaver's Dam, where the royal children first appeared in Narnia, as the records tell. The other is down at the river mouth, where the castle of Caerperavel once stood. And if Aslan himself comes, that would be the best place for meeting him, too. For every story says that he is the son of the great emperor over the sea, and over the sea he will pass. I should like very much to send messengers to both places, to Lantern Waste and the River Mouth, to receive them, or him, or or it. I just, how does he know this? I, I maybe Maybe it's in, like, the prophecies or stuff like that, but it just seems like he has no evidence... That, like it's too on the nose for me. I think that's what's frustrating to me. It's like, it's like, so I think if we blow the horn, and we're gonna have the Pevensies come back in one of these three places, and that is what has happened, yeah. right? Like, so it's a little. I, I don't know. I just don't love how on the nose that is. I think it's fine. I think it would be a little better if we had an explanation for why he knows, or like, sure. On, the only reason is it pulls me out of the story slightly. It's like, how do, you, how, do you, how does he know all this? Well, it's like it's setting up for the fact that next chapter we're gonna go. Th- this is actually now the end of this story. So, any other thoughts before we finish up the chapter? You got a little bit more here. Yeah, the um, the line where Nickabrick says, I won't go. With all these humans and beasts about, there must be a dwarf here to see that the dwarves are fairly treated. Mm-hmm. That's kind of funny to me. It, it's kind of like a union comment. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, I, I can't go do like whatever needs to be done because I got to keep an eye out here. Well, again, but also, like if you know, if your people group had been mistreated, I would probably want to stay around and make sure that they weren't. Yeah, you can. I mean, Nickabrick is a complicated character. I'm interested to see your reaction as the story goes on to, to him as a character. Right here, I mean, he's it's complicated. He gave a great advice about using the horn, but here he's kind of like instead of looking at Narnia as a whole, he's very focused on just 
one small group of them. Yeah. Right. And so, but it, you kind of can understand. At least I can. I can kind of understand where he's coming from. But he's also like not really helping the rest of the group by, by being like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm staying here. You guys figure this out. Uh, and to which we have to name it. Trumpkin replies, "Thimbles and thunderstorms," right. <laughs> which is. Not quite as good as earlier where he says, are all eggs in moonshine? <laughs> That's true. I don't even know what that means. Trumpkin has a really, really important decision that he makes here where he offers to go himself. And it's really interesting. He has a quote, and I know that it's important because you know I read these on my Kindle. And if, if anyone who uses Kindle, of highlighted it. you can see when, when a lot of people Is highlight it. Is it the wild goose chase? No, it's not the wild no, goose that's chase. That's what I underlined. The, uh, the part that is highlighted, I have here... Uh, as of 2019, 312 people have high. I wonder what the number, by the way, is of how many people have to do it before it shows up. Mm. But um, it's, three. You think it's just three? <laughs> no, I bet uh, 50. I would say 100. 100. I uh, think it's 100. 100 feels right. Can I guess what it is? Because then I know the difference between. Yeah. I know the difference between giving advice and taking orders. You've had my advice, and now it's time for orders. That's wisdom. That is yeah, wisdom. and that, obviously that is it. It That is wisdom, and it shows... Um, to me, this this you know I, I've been hot and cold on a lot of the characters that Caspian has been with. I like Caspian, mm-hmm. I like Truffle Hunter, Nickelbrick, and Trump. And I'm like, I don't know who these guys are. I'm not sure if I trust them. I'm not sure, you know. But here, I'm like, wow, oh, that's a, that's that's wisdom. Trumpkin yeah. is saying, look, look, I'm not a fan, and I've said my piece, but it's time for me now to follow orders. And that, that's what you have to have for this to work out. And so right. I. This to me, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm I'm on Trumpkin's side. I'm I'm Team Trumpkin. And I think as a leader, that's what you want someone mm-hmm. to do. You want them to be frank and share what they really think. Yeah. But also at a point, you are the leader, and you need them to follow the order. Yeah. Because maybe they don't have as much information as you have, or they're not thinking through everything because they're not in that position to mm-hmm. lead. The Trumpkin is going to go out to the. The river mouth to the ruins of Care Paravel. Although I guess they don't even really know that there's ruins there. They just know that's where the castle used to be. Yeah. And then Pattertwig, the squirrel, uh, wonderful Pattertwig, is going to Lantern Waste. I'm still a little confused about how far away these. I mean, this is a squirrel traveling. Lo- like I just squirrels are. I mean, I know he's bigger because it's he's a talking beast. He's not you know the size of our squirrels here are. Mm-hmm. But it's not like he's this giant horse galloping through the. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The uh, the countryside of Narnia. I, mean, I bet there's is... some Tarzan like swinging. Though. Oh, that that's it. So in the Netflix series, when this scene happens, there needs to be at least a thirty second kind of thing of Patrick swinging from branch to branch. I'm, I'm in. I'm bought in. That's what yeah. I want to see more than anything else. I am really looking forward to going to that premiere. Yeah, you think we're gonna get there? We're no, gonna invite it. Why wouldn't they invite us? I, I hate to break it to you about how Netflix works, but there might not be a premiere. I'm <laughs> just going to release it at midnight. Just, you can just come over to my house at midnight. We can watch it together. All right. <laughs> Any last thoughts, Phil? Because this is where the chapter ends. Any last thoughts? Well, I'm, I'm looking forward. I know this wasn't the most exciting chapter. It was a little hard to read just because like hard stuff happens in it. Yeah. And like, the pacing is a little bit different. But now we're I think we're very close to merging the two stories like oh, yeah. back to like one timeline everyone's th- going to be think together that we are I think we are huh? let me look at the next word in chapter 8 <laughs> yeah I'm guessing that okay <laughs> we're going to do that uh, but I, my the little note I made in the book was here we go like okay now things are rolling yeah and you know we're reading this a bit slower because we're doing a podcast about each chapter but Wait, is that what these microphones are for? Yeah. Oh, I, did I not tell you? I thought it was just a book yeah, club. I'm recording all of this. No, 
we're reading it at a slightly slower pace. Sure, sure. But, you know, we're only seven chapters in, and now we have the two timelines merged back together. Things are rolling. There's already been a battle. It's actually, I'm I'm happy with the pace now that mm-hmm. we're out of this chapter. Yeah, I'm, I'm not... Yeah, I'm going to walk back, I guess, what I said at the beginning a little bit, because I... This still is probably, honestly, my least favorite chapter we've done as far as just reading. I mean, it's Narnia, so it's still wonderful. I really like it. But it, it is – there's just some things that I, I think the pacing – I think if I could that, – that maybe is what it is with all of these things. Even if the – you know, Dr. Cornelius's ideas being too on the nose or whatever. Like it's really just the pacing for me that I think – and I, I think I, I said this when back when we had Paul on the show. I wonder if we feel like it – Caspian's story overstays its welcome. I think for me, it's one chapter too many. Hmm. It's not all the stuff that happens, but I I wish we could have condensed it into three chapters because I'm just like, what's going on with the characters I know and love? Because really, besides Caspian and just a couple others, I'm not as invested in them right now. And maybe I will be by the end, but right now I'm just like, I want to know what Peter and Edmund and Susan and Lucy are up to. And I I, I don't know what they're up to right now. I guess, well, yeah, I do. They're just listening to the story. Right. But I I don't hate this chapter at all. I mean, I'm not ragging on C.S. Lewis. He's one of the greatest authors, in my opinion, of all time of the 20th century. You know, so I, but it's. I think you just want to share your piece, and then you want to deal with the fact that this is what you have to read. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, so we end there with um, those two parties going out looking for the Pevensies to return. And next chapter, we come back with chapter eight: how they left the island. Right what? there, tells you right there. Uh, the Pevensies and Trumpkin embark on a journey to Caspian. Let me ask you this, Phil, before we wrap up, although I, we do have one email to get to. How long do you think it'll be before these two parties meet? I think it'll be this next chapter. You think at the end of chapter, you're... By the end of chapter eight, they will... They will met. be together. Yeah. Okay. Great. No, <laughs> that's it. I, just, I, I, I can't ask you that because you've read it like 19 times. I've not read this book 19 times. But no, I will not answer uh, my thoughts. So. Thanks, listeners, for bearing along. I know it's not as fun <laughs> if I'm sitting here. I don't mind critiquing it. I just I don't want people to think that I I dislike this book. I'm yeah. still one. Of, I'm a just defender. up front with your critique. Yeah, I'm a defender. Let's go ahead. We've got an email. A couple of episodes ago, we talked about Turkish Delight. One of our listeners, Bethany, had written in about Turkish Delight, and another listener responded to that. Uh, it's listener Demos, who already has emailed the show before. His subject line was Turkish Delight is dot, dot, dot. So I was really excited to open this. I was like, what's it going to be? Because, again, we love hearing. Please let us know, y'all, if you hate or love Turkish Delight. We want to know about it. So, Phil, do you want to read this one? Sure. And I'm going to do my best at the Greek here. Hi, guys. I can't help waiting. Into- wow, your Greek is perfect, dude. Yeah. And it sounds pretty accurate. I can't help wading into the Turkish delight discussions. Turkish delight is popular in Greece, where it's referred to as lokumi, from the Turkish word for it, lokum. My family is of Greek origin, and so the kids have grown up with Turkish delight as a special treat. It's best when it's fresh and goes tough when it's stale. I'm thinking that many of your listeners must have tried the Turkish delight well past its best before date. When Edmund asked the White Witch for some Turkish delight in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I substituted the word lokumi for it. And the kids didn't even bite an eyelash. They didn't it's, bite an eyelash? They didn't bite an eyelash. I think it says bat well, an eyelash. They also didn't bat an eyelash. <laughs> and the kids didn't even bat an eyelash. I got Turkish delight on the brain. Man. <laughs> You're like, I'm ready to eat some. We still haven't tried it. I didn't know it's good. Yeah. Like, we haven't made our minds up. See if we can find some Turkish delight after this. It seemed totally natural that Edmund would ask for something special. And Lewis even acknowledges there can be variation in quality. 
Incidentally, when they asked what kind of drink she conjured up, I told them it was vanilla latte. I love that. <laughs> I think that in this case, it's okay to make a few modifications to the story. That's incredible. I think when I when I read uh, Lion Witch Road to my kids, I'm just going to be like, and he asked for gummy bears and uh, like. <laughs> And coo- pumpkin spice, yeah, and uh, kombucha. kombucha <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, we love kombucha. And then wait till they, and then all you know, they read it in school or something. Like, what is Turkish delight? Daddy said it was something <laughs> way different. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks, Dimas, for sharing that with us. So we have, yeah, we've got you. some people saying yes, it's good. Some people saying no, it's not. I think before the show's over in the next couple of years, buddy, at some point you and I've got to try it. I think so. Not so, on air. I don't want people to hear us eat. That's. I'm not a fan of that. I know you want us to, but I think it's gross. <laughs> ASMR eating Turkish that's, delight. I, that's so gross to me. So Demos's email um, has the text of it, but then Gmail has g- generated some um, responses that we can just click on and it'll send it to them. <laughs> and usually they're like, cool, sounds great. I'll meet you there. Like if someone said, hey, can you meet at this time? Yeah, sure, sure. In this case, we have three options. Yum, with an exclamation point. <laughs> Love it, with an exclamation point. And this third one also has an exclamation point. Sounds yummy. Which, which one should we... Re- we usually don't re- often reply to people. So we we just read them on the show. We just want to read them on the show. Should there's, we click there's one? There's a lot of them. Um, but Yum. yeah, I'm, I'm really tempted to click. Sounds yummy. I wonder what Google... Like, what words have to show up in... He, I don't think he's used the word eat in... Like, what was it just... Was it like special treat? Was it, is it like Turkish? So like, what is it about the email that Google's like, you need to answer with yum. Yeah. <laughs> like, yum. Um, maybe it's drink or so. I don't know. But yeah, Dimas, thank you so much for reaching out. Guys, this show is so much more fun when, when we hear from y'all. And so we, we do appreciate that. Uh, and so we look forward to hearing more about Turkish Delight. Sure do. Also, don't forget to let us know your feelings on Prince Caspian. I guess I'm kind of, you know, up in the air right now. Yeah, and... If we could have a few people who like Prince Caspian email us so that Daniel can readjust his opinion of what of what the book is. Well, you, like. you feel, and I think listeners, this, you know this about me. I either love something. I have a really hard time being lukewarm on something. It's yep. so hard for me. I either hate it or love it. Which I think is actually, it's a good thing in terms of argument because people are either going to agree with you or they're going to like solidify their opinion yeah. the other way. Be like, no, this is a great book and here's why. I think for me, just because I don't absolutely love this chapter, my always response is, "I hate it." That's yeah. not that's not the case. Yeah. Um, we we I, I I still am I'm on board for Prince Caspian is a good book. It's a worthy sequel to the. We're only about halfway through. It's a worthy sequel to the Line the Witch in the Wardrobe. Yeah. My my big thesis has been: if there were only two books, would I be disappointed? Yes, there are seven, so I'm okay with this one being a little bit different. Yeah, that that's how I, I hear that. Yeah. All right, well, listeners, you can follow us into Narnia on our Twitter or Facebook pages. If you have feedback, you can email us at thenarniapodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail. We haven't had any of those in a while, have we? Yeah, let's give them the number. Yeah, it's 406-646-6733. We love voicemails. We do. Uh, We also would appreciate a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other listeners find the show and join together on our read-through. Also, make sure you're subscribed to the show in your favorite podcast app. That way you can wake up to a new... Well, it depends on actually where you are. <laughs> if you're in the United States, you can wake up to a new episode every other Wednesday. Our show's themes were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find more of his work in the links in the episode's description. Thank you for coming along on this journey, and we will be back next time for Chapter 18.